0: Because I know the biggest problem in any organization, any company, with any person, is they just don't.
1: All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Breaking Business. I'm your host, Sean Sharabi. And today for my first interview, uh, second episode of this show, of this podcast, I have none other than Zane Jan, my business partner, uh, a mentor, a close friend, somebody that's impacted my life. Tremendously, the past years, and I cannot wait to get into this. Um, Zayn and I have been in business for about four and a half years together now, and um, man, he's got an insane amount of lessons, stories, his background is unbelievable. Um, so, I cannot wait for you all to hear this and to get to unpack a little bit more of what makes Zayn who he is and how he's been able to um, get to where he's at today. Um, so, Zayn, I'll kind of just kind of kick it to you, man. Like, you know, today you're just turned 26 you're CEO of, of, of Better Earth. Um, we have about 500 people in the organization. Um, you've, over the past, I don't know, five, 10 years, your experience and what you've done in business has been um, incredible. And I think a lot of people that are in their mid-20s um, can maybe be intimidated by the type of success that you've gotten. So um, I, I would really just kind of like to hear you know everything from your background, how you got to where you are today. And um, yeah, man, really excited to unpack this because Again, I've, I've heard so much about you and heard, heard so much about your background. I can't wait for everybody else to hear it, but um, we'd love to start kind of in the beginning, man. Like where, where are you from? Tell us a little about your family, your family background, and um, yeah, tell us about who, who you are.
0: Yeah, so first off, appreciate the podcast. Excited to be on, excited to be the first guest. I think this podcast is gonna be huge. Um, so where I come from, so my parents are both immigrants. They both migrated here. Uh, I moved here when I was six months old, so I was like a baby, essentially. Um, and, and you were, so
1: you were born, yeah, you know. I was,
0: I was born overseas, but, uh, I came here when I was six months old. So pretty much like I grew up here, in, yep. you know, in the American culture and everything. Um, but what was really interesting was both of my parents were immigrants. So when my parents moved here, they didn't speak English. Um, and they had to learn English. They had to adapt to learning English. They had to adapt to working. They both came here. They actually, my mom got a college degree. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad never got one she got get came a college here, degree? In- oh, yeah. Yeah. Overseas, my mm-hmm. mom got a college degree. But when my parents came here, um, those degrees essentially are ineffective. Like, you can't really use oh, them. Yeah, yeah. So they both essentially had no degree. Uh, they had no money. Like, my dad literally had the, like, American story of, like, coming here with $100. Like, it was something similar. His mom had sold a piece of jewelry and to to, to give him and his brother's money to come here. And it was literally, like, 100 bucks yeah. or something like that. So they came here. Uh when my dad first came here, he came here before my mom. Um and like before and, and before he had me. Uh it was like a few years before. And he essentially lived with a bunch of other immigrants. They like lived in one house, like on the floor, like super, super like startup beginning. Uh so my dad did that, and then he married my mom, and then I was born, and then six months in, my dad came here. Um, luckily, my dad was a US citizen, so Back when, when, when he first came to the States, it was a little bit easier to get your citizenship. So my dad got it pretty quickly. And then when I was born, I was born a natural born citizen because my dad had it. So I was technically born a natural born U.S. citizen overseas. Mm-hmm. Came here when I was six months old. Um, lived w- in my uncle's house first just because we couldn't afford to have our own place. So my uncle had a house and he had a basement. So we literally lived in the basement. Me, the three of you. Yeah, it was me, my mom, <laughs> and my dad. Like one bed, like like Holy the hell. same thing. So I lived there. Um, It was literally like a kind of a small basement, probably the size of this room. And uh, there's like a bed, like a couch, like a little TV. And like, that's how I grew up. So we lived there for like four or five years. Um, That's where I like first started like pre-K and going to school. And at that time I didn't understand our situation. Like I didn't really know that this wasn't normal. I didn't know that we didn't have money. Like I was just kind of like whatever, right? And as I got older, I started to learn that. Finally, when I was like five, my parents got their own apartment. It's like a 600 square foot apartment um, lower income. And, uh, it was in a town called Weymouth, Massachusetts, which is like a suburb outside of Boston. Um, it's about like 15, 20 minutes away from Boston. Um, you know, like from, uh, from the actual city. Mm -hmm. So we moved there and, uh, that was when life kind of started to become real for me because I went to school and I noticed other kids sometimes had more than me. You know, they had enough to have a bike or have this or have that. And I remember my parents always, even though I didn't grow up in like a rich area by any means, it was definitely most of the people were either lower middle class or lower income. Mm -hmm. And specifically where I grew up, like the apartment I grew up in was like a lower income project type place. So um, I always knew that there was a problem. And that problem was my parents worked super hard, but they couldn't get me the things that I always wanted or the things that they wanted. And we didn't have much money. And that was something that stuck in my head like super early on. So at like five or six, I remember, I'd always ask my parents like, can I work? Like, is there a place for me to work? At that age. At that age, at that I was age, like, I don't wanna go to school. Like I wanna work. Like, could I work at like the gas station? Could I work at a store? Could I work somewhere and just earn income and earn money? And it was crazy cause uh, my dad was growing up. My dad was like a, a, a taxi driver and then became a limo driver and my mom worked in retail stores, she worked in stores like similar to Marshall's um, in the back room in layaway because she didn't speak good English so she couldn't have much communication with customers. So they both kind of like started that way and what was really interesting was my dad would come back home because he was a taxi driver back in the day where there was no really cards, it was usually cash. Mm -hmm. So all of his income would be in cash. So he'd come back with like wads of cash And I'd always just look at the money and be like, I want to make this. I want to make this. I want to make this. And I remember back in those days, he'd come home and like every week, he'd basically have all his money and he'd count it by hand. And that was my first like understanding of like he works and he gets income and then he counts the cash. Hmm. And that's like how I started to learn about money and understand it. Fast forward, my mom ended up getting a job as an assistant teacher. She kind of like, worked her way up and started making a little bit more money. Uh, My dad started making a little bit more money, but it was never anything crazy. Like I think my parents combined the most they ever made in a year was between 30 and 40 grand. So it wasn't anything ever crazy. Um, And for a big portion of it, you know, it was maybe like 20 grand a year. So we didn't have much, but I always knew I wanted to make more money. Um, So that was kind of like how I grew up. Um, as a kid, I was always focused on wanting ways to make money, but I hated school. I hated the school system. I didn't think it was something that was for me. I hated going to
1: class. I hated reading. Like I kind of hated everything, and I didn't do good in school. And but, was was this like even dating from your first kind of um, your first memories of school, like elementary school? Yeah, research?
0: I remember. I always hated school. Like it was always something that was like I just dredged going to. <laughs> Um, and I don't know why it was, but it was just, at that time, I, none of it was important to me. Um, and it was crazy because I can remember ever since I started going to school, me always wanting to like go to work, like me always wanted to like ask my dad, like, can I come with you? Or, you know, I'd love to make some money or whatever. I don't know if that, a part of that was just realizing that we needed money or if I just wanted to do it, but it was kind of like a hybrid of both. So then as I got older, um, I didn't do well in school and my parents, especially being immigrant parents, they always thought that the only way out was family. They always thought that the only way out was like you're gonna have you, like you're gonna have to take care of your family. You're gonna have to go to college, and the anyone in the family who goes to college is gonna take care of everyone. And that's like kind of the mentality, mm-hmm. right? It's like oh, we're both gonna work super hard, and we retire. You're gonna have a college degree. You're gonna get a job, and you're gonna be able to take care of the rest of your family. And that's how my uncles thought. That's how my aunts thought. They're like, okay, the next generation is going to be able to go to school and get a degree and like make money this way. Mm. And that's where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. And I remember almost being depressed because everyone around me would tell me the only way to make money was to go to college. And I hated school. And I was like, I don't want to continue this thing. So am I just not going to make money? Like, Mm. I don't want to not make money and not be successful, but I also don't want to go to college. And um, that's where I like like the kind of, I guess you could say like rebellious mentality started to come into play. And I started fighting back with my teachers, like just getting in trouble a lot, getting Mm -hmm. kicked out of school, getting pink slips at the time they would call them. And then I would get detentions, like all of this stuff being suspended a few times. Um, And all of it at the time I was told was because maybe I have some disability. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something wrong with me mentally. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's like ADD or ADHD. And there was a few times where my parents would have me go and take tests, where it was like, hey, you're gonna take this test. Um, And it wasn't just my parents, but it was my teachers telling my parents, like, Zane's gotta take this test. I'd go to take this test and they'd be like, okay, we're gonna give you this test because we think you have a learning disability. And I remember specifically, I would take the tests and the results would always come back. Like, no, you're actually reading at a higher level than most of your class. Mm -hmm. You're actually spelling at a higher level than most of your class. You're writing and doing math at a higher level than most of your class, which is really interesting. Like I understood it, but I didn't apply it. I only applied it on like that test, but mm-hmm. I would never
1: apply it in my day-to-day. I would never do my homework. I would never do these things. And do you think that that was like, like the resistance to apply it, right? Cause you must've, you must've known um, as, as you're going through classes and you have tests, like it's not information that that is just way over your head. Yeah. right? So was the, do you think it was just that kind of rebellious attitude of like,
0: I think I just hated doing it. Like I was bored, you uh know, like I think it was boring to me. And I think that was it. Like it was just, it didn't light me up. It didn't get me fired up. Like sports at the time got me fired up. Like I remember I'd love my, like the first sport I got heavy into was baseball Mm. and I loved baseball and I'd love to practice baseball, play baseball, go to the park. And that was fun for me. Playing with my friends was fun for me. Riding my bike was fun for yeah. me. But like doing mm. schoolwork was just never intriguing
1: or interesting to me. So I think I was bored. And, and did your, uh, cause, cause I can imagine, right? You have um, coming from a, a immigrant family, which I resonate a lot a lot with that. I come from an immigrant family. It's part of the reason they came here was for like- Education. Yeah. It was like for my education. Right. And they hated it. I was
0: always in trouble with my parents. like. They were always yelling at me, like, you got to do better, like, da 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 like, you got to get better. That We'd have, like, parent-teacher conferences. I'd always get in trouble, like, you know, all of that stuff. But I continued to resist and resist and resist. And honestly, like, my teachers always told me I was, if I continued, I was going to be a lost cause, like, for so long. And what was crazy is when I was younger, there was no, like, validation that I would be successful and I didn't know of like entrepreneurs that did bad in school and then got successful. I didn't understand entrepreneurship or business really. Mm. I just knew like there's different jobs. Some jobs pay less if you don't go to college, some jobs pay more if you go to college. The The highest up on the totem pole to me was like being a doctor. It was like, if you're a doctor, like you can make a few hundred K in a year and you'd be very successful yeah. or an engineer mm. or, you know, business or whatever. But like in my family, it was like doctor was number one, engineer was number two and it's like okay if you really didn't want to do both of those like go and get a business degree Mm. but like try to be a doctor yeah and i just you know it was never it was never intriguing or interesting to me and then as i got older getting into high school i started to realize business a little bit more learn a little bit more about the concept of entrepreneurship but i was still lost yeah um and uh when i was in high school Uh, because I was lost because I was bored it led me to hang around the people that were also lost and that were also bored and my friend group became kind of this rebellious friend group that was stealing that was doing Mm -hmm. drugs that was just doing the wrong things and that was like 13 to 14 years old was when I really entered like the bad group of friends yeah but Um, that's like the
1: rebellious like mentality style in in in, in middle school school.
0: yeah and it's like 13 to 14 is when it started for me like kind of late middle school I think like it really started like sixth, seventh grade. Like that was where it got like bad. Mm-hmm. And I remember like seventh, eighth grade, I was like going to the mall. I was stealing headphones and I was selling them back at school to people. <laughs> like I remember I would steal these, um, what were they called? They were the popular headphones back in the day. I don't, I don't remember the name. Mm. Skull candies. Oh yeah, Skull yeah, yeah, candies. Yeah. Yeah. I would steal skull candy headphones. And uh, I remember I'd go to this mall at the store, at the store at the mall called fye or fyi or something like that yeah. and i'd buy i'd steal like 30 skull candy headphones because they were going for like 30 or 40 bucks and i'd sell them in school for like 15 bucks and that's like how i would make cash and then uh as i got older it was like oh there's drugs you can sell these things too mm-hmm. and i started selling weed and like bagging stuff mm-hmm. and stuff like that so i was like like getting into all of this stuff at a pretty young age. Yeah. When most kids are thinking about like sports and partying and doing this. I was just thinking about making money, mm-hmm. hustling, doing things this way. And,
1: and was it, was it still, cause you, you were saying like in elementary school, kind of when you're around four, what, what, do you feel like your earliest memories were when you were four or five, maybe in, in when you guys lived in your uncle's basement, is that kind of like your no, first? like
0: I like, yeah, like those are my earliest memories, but like the strongest period of my life that I think I was like, bored and down was that like 14 to like 16 to 17 year old range was where like i was probably the most rebellious got in the most trouble Mm. and i didn't care Mm. like i was like i'm gonna keep getting in trouble like Mm. i don't i don't care like this is my life this is what i'm gonna do i kind of wanted to be like a gangster a little bit Mm. like i like like that identity and i was like i can hustle i can make money and um you know i would see people like I, i made some older friends and I would see him drive like a nice car and like they sold drugs. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's that's like a cool thing to me. Mm. And uh, as what's so crazy is when you think of someone like that, you're like, oh, maybe they don't have good parents or maybe this or that. My parents never did drugs in their life. My parents never even drank a sip of alcohol. Mm. Like my parents were super straight edged, super like trying to push me to do good in school, very like very respectful they didn't mm-hmm. swear they didn't like Like i grew up in like a very respectful good family just they didn't have money so we didn't live in a good place yeah but yeah. my family itself was very respectful yeah. like to the point where like you know my parents didn't want me hanging around different people they'd always try to push me away they try to ground me try to keep me away from stuff but because i was so rebellious i would just do it on my own i would just leave the home i would do stuff like that So as I got older, more trouble, more suspension, getting caught, um, dealing with police, like I I dealt with a lot of that stuff growing Mm. up. And when I got to like 16, it's when my entrepreneur side started to kick in. So 15 to 16, I had, uh, my mom had a stroke Mm. and that was probably like my first biggest life hit uh, was everything was good. Like I felt everything was good in the sense of, I'm making my money. I'm having fun, blah, 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 and whatever. It's life. And my mom has a stroke and she has like a very severe stroke. Like, uh, uh, she, she, she had a blood clot in her head and the blood clot was the size of an orange. So it was like this huge stroke. Um, and basically she was at work one day at school cause she worked in a school. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of like an assistant teacher and, uh, she just fell to the ground and like, literally from that day she fell on the ground i remember like the story like uh uh was she she fell to the ground they brought her in an ambulance to a hospital then they airlifted her from a hospital to like a bigger hospital because it was such a big deal um her chances of survival were super low like five percent or less and uh and she was pretty much in a coma like non-responsive not awake for like six seven months so you know that was like a huge hit for me because yeah You know, she makes income for my family one, like just from a survival level. Um, My dad has to work also. Now he has to go to the hospital and like take care of her and be there for her. Where's the income coming from? How are we going to pay bills? How are we going to afford things? Like that was honestly at that time when money is such a problem, that's one of the first things you worry about. Like you would, a lot of people would think like, oh, like you're just worried about your mom. Like, of course I was worried. But like, it was also survival. It was like, how are we going to live? Like, how are my parents, how's my dad going to
1: support himself? How are we going to support ourselves, et cetera? It's like, you can't, it's, it's the, like the Maslow's hierarchy of need. You can't, the first thing is like scarcity, basic needs and survival. Exactly. If my dad can't work and my mom can definitely not work and my dad can
0: work, but like, he's limited. He's stressed. He's dealing with me going to school, dealing with this, dealing with that. So that's when my mind really switched into, okay. There's a big problem here it's finances one two uh with my mom's stroke her health i asked the doctor because my mom was pretty healthy she wasn't overweight she didn't drink she didn't do drugs no real prior history of problems Mm. and she was young so it was like like late 30s when she had her stroke early 40s so it like did it make sense so the doctor was like yeah like a lot of times stuff like this can be built up and there's no real thing we can identify other than maybe stress Mm. what do you think she was stressed about and i was like money like my mom was always stressed about money and taking care of me and like my education and me becoming successful for the future etc so i was like i'm going to take responsibility and i am going to solve this problem for my family which is finances and that's where i started reading books i started picking up books and it was the basic books at the time that are today like amazing personal development books I recommend to everyone. But it was like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mm -hmm. um, Think and Grow Rich, and just different books that are, you know, kind of like basic entrepreneur books that get your mind sparking. And I remember those books got my mind going because it showed me probably the biggest lesson I learned from a lot of those books was financial education, learning about the way money works. And learning that it's not all about going to school or getting a degree. A lot of it is based on your mindset mm-hmm. and how powerful your mind can be. And that was like the first time everything shifted for
1: me. And what, and what, because that's such a, um, I think I, I have a lot of uh, uh, empathy for that because you, I feel like many times people that grow up in a difficult situation, it's, I think, the norm to, Kind of feel bad for yourself and um, be more concerned and have more stress and kind of like shrink, yeah. like shrivel up in a sense. And it takes a certain type of mentality to like go and attack and and I guess it's like survival modes, fight. Like, yeah, it's just like fight. It's like,
0: um, you know, I, I knew it was either I'm caving in and I give up or I go and I solve. And that was the first time where I was like, there's a problem I have to solve. First problem I had to ever
1: solve. And And was that um, just like did somebody teach you to? to, No, I just felt
0: like it was the only option. I didn't feel like I had many other options. Yeah, like we had no fallback fallback plan. There's like zero fallback plan, and I think that was one of the best things I had because I had no cushion. I had no fallback plan, so I was like, I'm going to go into survival, and it was the best thing I ever did because starting to read these books actually made me. It was the thing that actually solved my like discipline problem when it came to my life and doing the wrong things, partying, selling drugs, stealing, et cetera. It got my ethics in and I became a better ethical person and if not better than most of the kids around me that I grew up with and better than a lot of the kids that I went to school with because I started to realize, like, holy crap, you can be successful without the traditional route. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I had the realization that success is real without this path. There, there is another path. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, I no thought the path. only way is like the traditional school way or you're an athlete. Like there's, or like a actor mm-hmm. and I, I was neither. So I was like, I'm, there's a good chance I'm not gonna be a professional athlete. There's a good chance I'm not gonna be an actor. Both hard things, both things require time and money and all this stuff. And I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like that was gonna be my row. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew that at 14, 15, 16. So I was like, there's no other way to go. And then when I started reading books, I was like, oh my God, there's a lot of people that had the same problems I had, mm. the same path I had, and they're now super successful. And it was like that aha moment. I remember I started telling everyone, like my teachers, um, my dad at the time, and you know, just like everyone, I started having these conversations, like, I don't think I'm gonna go to college. Hmm. Like, I think I can do it on my own. Like, I think I can build a business. And everyone shot that down. That was like, you're crazy, you're stupid, blah, 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 blah. And I faced so much hate and so much resistance doing the wrong thing. It was almost like, especially in school, when I was doing the wrong thing, like stealing or drugs or whatever, there wasn't that much pullback. Mm -hmm. But when I started doing like something that I thought was positive, which was self-development and personal development and trying to get into business and thinking that that was cooler, is when I got like the most hate and the most pushback. So
1: fast forward, I like did that. and that, But that area came kind of from like, you know, I see, I think this is the fact, this is the case with most parents is like, their job as a mother or father is, is like, you want your kid to be safe. You want them to be um, secure, protected. And it goes back to why your parents even moved to the States and the opportunity they want to open up for you so it's like it's such an interesting thing because it's out of love, right? Where it's like, yeah, it's, not, it's not a bad intention yeah. on your
0: parents' end.
1: Yeah, it's 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 out of it's out of love, but it, it's it's so internally kind of difficult because you feel like you're finally maybe doing some going in the right direction, and it's almost like more aggressive pushback. Yeah, the the most pushback I got was that
0: like was taking the untraditional route and starting to make clear to people that. I wasn't gonna go the, the, the traditional route. So long story short, I get like my first kind of job at like 15 years old, working in like a, like the back room of a restaurant, mm-hmm. um, just like in the kitchen, trying to make money. I was pumped that I just had a way to make money yeah. and then working in different stores and stuff. And I never really liked it. I always hated work like that. Um, like I liked the idea of making money, but I didn't like the idea of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to control and manage my time more effectively. Um, then I got into like network marketing at a young age, which I think was so awesome for me getting in at such a young age, not because I like necessarily believed in the network marketing industry or thought it was the best route, but at the time there wasn't so many things I could do as a 16 or 17 year old. And it was a really easy opportunity to build my own type of business and kind of make my own income. Mm. And it was sales. It was a lot of selling and it was a lot of recruiting. And that's when I learned that business is built on, a lot of business is built on selling and recruiting talent. Mm-hmm. Like for a business, what you need is you need a product that you can sell. Mm-hmm. As long as you can sell that product, that's your money in, very, very very basic, but but it's, it, it's really a business down to like the core fundamentals. You need a product, you need to be able to sell it. You need to have profit, like there needs to be enough margin so where you can make that money and you need talent to scale it. You need good people to help you scale your product and your business. Yeah. And that's what I learned. Like it was the first kind of run at business for me. And I actually got like, contrary to a lot of people, actually what a lot of people thought, and contrary to a lot of people's results, I actually got a lot of success. Like, you know, not 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 a lot of success to me today, but at the time, you know, making three, four $5,000 a month, being in high school yeah, wow. was a very, very big deal. It was like, you know, it was like, it felt like being a billionaire almost, yeah. you know? That's at more than time. your parents were. Yeah, it's more than my parents making, made yeah. like their whole life. Um, in a month. So I was doing that and then, uh, it time came, I turned 17, 18 and I had to start thinking about college and I knew I didn't want to go to college. I had a bad grades, like low twos, GPA. Mm -hmm. Um, but my parents, it was my mom's dream. She just started recovering from her stroke. Like it was like a two year journey of her recovering and trying to get better. And it was always her dream. So I was like, I don't want to keep making her more sad and depressed. So let me just go to college for my parents try to get into some state school or anywhere that will accept me maybe a community college i don't know um but let me go just for them but let me focus on business while i'm there mm-hmm. um and like hopefully i can move out of the house and get somewhere mm-hmm. so i got into the university of rhode island which was a state school it was a pretty decent school but somehow they let me in i don't know how like <laughs> my gpa was like a full point lower than what their average acceptance was mm-hmm. but like i think i had like My average in in high school was probably like a two, three or something Mm. like that. And they wanted like a three, three or a three, four. And uh, I got in somehow. So one of the only, I think it was like one of two places that accepted me out of like tons of applications. So I finally got in, Um, I went for my parents uh, at 18. Mm. I joined a fraternity. I started doing like a little bar and club promoting there. Um, I uh, just started doing little side hustles, little real estate stuff trying to learn how to make money. I made a decent amount of money while being in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's where like money became more material to me and business became more material and I built confidence. Because when you don't have money and you haven't made money before, you have less confidence. But when you start making money using your own skill sets and not relying on maybe working somewhere, mm-hmm. you start to have more confidence in yourself and your ability to make money and it's more performance based. It's more based on how you perform. You put in x, you get y. Usually when you work at a company, it's like okay, you're told what to do, right? And you get paid a check for that. Mm-hmm. But for me at the time, I just didn't like that. It wasn't my personality. Not to say that it's bad to work at a company by any means. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people it's the thing to do, but for me, I knew it was not the thing that motivated me. Right. I knew I had mm-hmm. a different capability and a different skill set that I wanted to tap into. So, um at about 18 years old, that's
1: like when I got introduced to solar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and, a- and it's it's interesting, uh, like, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit, you, you know, your parents bring you here when you're six months old. Um, you're living in your uncle's apartment basement until you're five, six. Yep. At that age, you're starting to already think about, Money. which I think is like comical almost, like, yeah. like, Money, right? And and I think growing up in that environment, what's, what's like the pro to it, like growing up,
0: you always wished that you grew up in like a rich family yeah. and you had everything, right? Like growing up, that's what I always wanted up until college. But now looking back, once I have like acquired success was probably one of the biggest reasons I am successful was all of the motivation that I had growing up was all of the 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 fear growing up, a lot of the problems growing up, a lot of the issues, is what drove me to mature faster. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up a lot faster yeah. than most people, and it was because of that. So now, a lot of my survival instinct in business, the way I think in business, my intuition is built off of that same
1: framework of survival. Yeah, survive, <clears throat> and it's like the, you know, the 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 premise of this show is breaking business. And like the idea behind it is you know, I kind of said this on the first, first episode, but it's people see these success stories and what I what would always come to my view. And what I always would see is what went into that. Right. And, and the core theme that always popped out was man to, to get to that point, you have to go through so much difficulty and not only go through it, but be able to view that difficulty as like the opportunity to grow, right? And for you, it was almost like these challenges that, you know, maybe for certain people, their, their most difficult challenges they see um, in college when they're studying really hard for exams or whatever it might be. Uh, maybe they had some family difficulties growing up, but like your challenge was like front loaded, like you're five, six years old. And it's like the challenge of just Going to school, seeing other people have what you don't have, and wanting that, and it's kind of like that, like you're saying the sur- the survival concept. And what's really fascinating though is that it almost sounds like you develop that thought of how do I how do I use this to my advantage? Like right now, obviously it's 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 a little bit it's almost just ingrained in you. But like, was there what specific point was it where I need to use this? This is like my this is like my superpower. The fact that I grew up in a more difficult situation, et cetera. Like, like at what point? Well, I was always good at whatever I put my attention on and that
0: could be bad or good. So like, for example, the first like thing I did, which I was so, it made me feel so bad at the time, but I was good at it, was stealing. (laughs) Like when I was like 14 to 15, like I would like, like if I wanted a bike, I would go and steal a bike. Like, I would literally go steal someone's
1: bike. Would your parents ask? Like, what, where'd you, where'd you get? I would always like- just
0: come up with, like, stories. And it's, oh, like, right. funny because, like, my parents are, like uh, – And if you have immigrant parents, sometimes, like, some people might realize this. But, like, my parents were so immigrant that, like – I could fool them a little bit, you know what I mean? Like I could come up with stories and stuff, like oh, I got this at school, like they gave it to me, yeah, I want yeah. something or like whatever, right? So I always come up with like some lie. My, 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 par-
1: my parents would would hate me for this, but I they would always say. um you know, we, we were a kid just like you. Like we know, we know all the different yeah. things. And I would always think you were, but you're, it's a little different, oh, like whatever. growing up in the States than, than, than growing yeah. up in a different country. And so anyway, it's, it's-
0: Yeah, and I think like, you know, it's different person by person, but my parents specifically, like they could kind of fall for that. So like, I would do things like, I would. I remember I'd steal a bike and I'd spray paint it. So it's a different color. So mm-hmm. no one would ever know <laughs> um, and stuff like that. And I got like good at it, which was scary at the time, right? Like I could have been a really good criminal. Um, But the one thing I always had, I remember, was when I would do all that stuff, I would feel really bad. Mm. I didn't feel good about myself. Mm. I felt horrible. And what's crazy is, like, today, the way I view myself and the way I handle things, I think I'm, like, the complete opposite. Like, I am so ethical in a lot of the things I do and the way I treat things. Like, if I go to a restaurant and they wrongly serve me something Mm -hmm. and I'm not paying for it, I'm going to tell them about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll take it down to the micro level. Like, if... I'm at someone's house and i leave a piece of trash on the floor i'm gonna throw it out because i feel bad yeah or i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna do that like i now now it's like the kind of the extreme opposite yeah. of ethics but what was really interesting for me was when i was doing all that stuff um the amount of people that thought i was bad because i you know i was doing the wrong things yeah. and the amount of people that told me i was like i had teachers told me i was gonna go to jail like stuff like that to now look at my life how i've operated the completely kind of the complete opposite mm-hmm. and now when i look at other people i'm like it's crazy to me how much of society does unethical things or wrong things or goes about stuff the wrong way you know maybe maybe they don't pay their parking tickets maybe mm-hmm. they break tons of rules and stuff like that and when i look at that and uh and, and i kind of look at the way society is going right now i think about it a little bit and i say one of the things that i think has helped me Gain success so quickly and to me kind of easily Um, even though it's taken a lot of work and a lot of persistence like I think it's Came a little bit easier than maybe some people Um, is I have a very clear conscience. Mm -hmm. Like I feel very good about myself. I feel like I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not fucking anyone over. I'm not, you know, stealing from anyone. I'm not cheating on anything. Like I'm doing all of the right things. Mm -hmm. And that was like probably for me, one of the biggest epiphanies as I started becoming more successful in business was as long as you're a good person, you do things by the book, you treat people well, you pay people on time. It even comes in a business, right? Where it's like, there's so many people that can run a business. You don't need to necessarily steal or be a drug dealer to to do the wrong things. Mm-hmm. You could be running a business and not pay your people on time. Sure, yeah. You can lie to your employees. You cannot you know, follow through on your commitments with your employees. Like, There's a lot of things you can do. And now it's like, I try to be as ethical as I can be everywhere, even where sometimes for some people they could justify not being ethical or maybe not paying an employee mm-hmm. or not doing this or not doing that. I always feel like it's my duty to make sure that we're always just going by what we promised and what we committed to. And I think because I have that like clear conscience of like, no matter what happens, I want to pay every bill. I want to pay everything. I want to make sure if I ever get a ticket, it's instantly taken care of. It clears a lot off of my shoulder and a lot off of my plate. That's unnecessary. And it allows me to focus on my mission and on success. So when I go back to like your original question, your original point, it's like, When I started to realize that I wanted to channel the energy in the right direction was when I realized that same energy that was bringing out my demons and making me do the wrong things was actually a positive. It was like an obsessive nature. Mm -hmm. As long as I channeled it in the right direction, Mm -hmm. that obsession could actually change the world, that obsession could change people. And it could, it could allow me to grow and build whatever I wanted. And that's when I had the first realization of, wow. I truly can have anything I want as long as I have a strong enough intention. Mm -hmm. And as long as my intention is strong and I'm focused on the right thing and and I believe in it, I am gonna be ultra successful. And until this day, I could have an opportunity to make a lot of money, but if it didn't feel right to me, I could not get excited or do it. Like the reason I love what I do and I think I succeed at what I do is not because I have some special talent or some special skill or whatever it may be. It's just I really believe in myself and I really believe in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that unleashes some crazy power out of me that allows me to get stuff done. Like when people ask me, Zane, like, how have you focused this much? Or how have you gotten so much accomplished at a young age? How have you achieved this? How do you meet these people? How have you built these connections? I always tell people, I just love what I do so much. Mm -hmm. And I'm obsessed with it because I believe that I'm doing the right thing and I'm on my mission and on my purpose. And if I ever catch myself doing something that doesn't feel right, or it doesn't feel like something that excites me or is my mission or my purpose, I just won't be successful at it because I'm not putting in my energy into Mm -hmm. it. I can only put my energy into the things that I believe. But I think with anyone, I think almost every person has that potential. It's just about how they channel that energy. If you channel it in the wrong direction, you're gonna get the wrong result. If you channel it in a direction where you don't take much action, well, you're not gonna get much result. But if you channel that energy in the right direction, you take action and you execute, you are gonna get the result. Mm. It's not rocket science. I don't care about what your IQ score is. I don't care about how smart you are. I don't care about how much money you you have. I don't care about your previous connections. None of that matters. All of that can help and can be an ancillary kind of like byproduct to mm-hmm. your success, but it's not that important. I had none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. All I had was a strong intention, a willpower, and an obsession. And I knew if I channeled that in the right direction, I would gain that success. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I kind of started to figure that out at like 17, 18, 19. Slowly started
1: to come. Um, that's like when I got into solar at yeah. 18 years old. And, and and man, there's I mean there's so much so much to unpack there. But I think one thing that you said that was. So powerful is people, like one of difficulties is like when you go through school, you oftentimes it's it's brought to the limelight what your weaknesses are and what your issues are. And like for you was, oh, does he have ADD, ADHD? He's like, he's never paying attention, he's distracting people, whatever it might be, getting bad grades. And what's so insane is you basically turn that, you know, what people were projecting as your weakness, right? Your what would make you unsuccessful and you use that as your as your superpower as your as your strength and i think that's something that's so important in business and success is understanding that your weaknesses can be turned into your strengths your strengths oftentimes are also your weakness and we've talked about this but like that addictive obsessive personality that may have channeled you in a maybe a wrong direction earlier on you just you know with being raised properly by your parents the right core values you took that same energy like you're saying and instead of Pushing it over here, you just push it in the right direction. And that's like using the same skill set, using who you are, not changing who you are, but just rerouting where you're, where you're funneling that. And, that's and it's like, the
0: same. It was so crazy is when you're doing the wrong thing or the right thing, you run into the same exact thing, which is you run into obstacles and problems. When I was stealing and I was selling drugs, I was running into obstacles and I was running into problems. When I was building a business, I was running into obstacles and when I was running into problems. And I realized that in both scenarios you're always gonna have obstacles and problems. And the solution is to not get away from your obstacles and your problems. The solution is to handle and, and figure out how to conquer more of them and how to conquer bigger problems. So as I got into business and entrepreneurship, I realized like, wow, a lot of this is just handling obstacles and problems. And as much as there's ups and there's downs, over time I had experience and I learned I'm always going to have downs. I'm always going to have ups. As long as I keep this like strong energy, this confidence and this belief in what I'm doing, I have to accept problems. I have to realize that problems are just future solutions. And those future solutions are only going to get me farther, just like a video game. In a video game, When you conquer a new level, you conquered a new problem. And then when you go to the next level, what happens? It's harder to beat, right? And it's a bigger issue. Same exact way in business. It's like you conquer one problem, you get a bigger one. And I think so many people, especially today, they're trying to achieve one word and that's freedom. Mm -hmm. So many people are trying to achieve freedom, but I think a lot of people have it backwards. I think people define freedom As not having problems Mm -hmm. and not having challenges and not having obstacles. They think that that's freedom. But in reality, I think freedom is having purpose. Of course, you need a purpose and a mission, but you need problems to solve. Because when you solve problems, you get a win, you feel fulfilled, and you wanna do it again Mm -hmm. and you wanna keep doing it. But I think where a lot of, especially young people, get confused. Is they think when they have problems and they get stressed out that it's not a good thing, and it's the opposite of freedom. When in reality, that is freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom is having the control and the ability to solve your life's problems. Mm-hmm. That's what puts you. Shit, in the that is great. Seat. Freedom
1: is the the having the ability to solve your your own life's problems, and and once you because you're in control. That, yeah,
0: you're you're in control. It's like like imagine if you were in a car and someone else was driving and you were the passenger. And you wanted to go somewhere, but they just wouldn't listen to you. And they would keep driving in another direction. And you're like, dude, we have to go this way. They're like, no, I don't care, I'm driving. You'd be like, I don't have control, I'm not in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. It's not about going through different exits and being in traffic, it's about you have no control. Mm -hmm. But in life, if you're in the driver's seat, and that is always a decision in life, that's the beauty. No one else is in control of your life other than you. As long as you're in the driver's seat, you can choose that destination and it's completely up to you. But you got to accept that you have to get into the driver's seat. You can take the back seat. You can take the passenger seat. You're just not taking on the problem. So don't expect to get to the destination you want to go. The only way to get to the destination you want to go is for you to take control, you to take responsibility and get in the driver's seat. And that's what you do in life. As long as you solve problems, you're solving your own problems. Mm -hmm. You're gaining more control. And believe it or not, The more problems you solve, your confidence continues to go up and up Mm -hmm. and up and up. And then you start to accept problems because you realize, wow, I have control of my environment. And then you reach a level where it's like, wow, I've solved enough of my own problems. Now I'm gonna start to solve other people's Mm -hmm. problems. I'm gonna start to solve the world's problems. And that's where in business specifically, it gets really interesting because that's where entrepreneurship is built. Entrepreneurship is going into the marketplace, it's taking a risk, but more importantly, it's providing value to the marketplace and solving a problem in the marketplace, Mm. right? Like, think about that. You're going from your own problems, which is like paying your rent, like Mm. getting food on the table, like your basic stuff, you know, dealing with your girlfriend, your spouse, this, that, your family, to now you're solving a marketplace's Mm -hmm. problems. Eventually you're solving a world's problem. No wonder you get paid more because the size of your problem increases, but you're also not solving a problem just for your life. You're solving a problem for a lot of people's lives. Like when you work at a company, you're solving a part of that company's problem. So you're getting paid and you're getting paid for that. When you build a company, You're solving a problem for a lot of people that work at the company, Mm -hmm. one, but two, for the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people say, like, why do entrepreneurs get paid so much money? Mm -hmm. You know, I always see this, and and this is a controversial topic sometimes, but people are like, why, you know, why does Jeff Bezos make so much money? Why does Elon Musk make so much money? Mm -hmm. And what I always try to explain to them is you got to realize one thing. Jeff Bezos, I think, has created over a million jobs, right? He's like over a million active employees or some crazy stat. I imagine Elon Musk is up there. Think about their contribution to society. Think about how much they impact society. A lot of people are like, yeah, but they're not paying taxes. No, it's not because they don't want to pay taxes. They're paying more than most people. Mm -hmm. Payroll tax, bringing people into the economy, paying all of those salaries. Think about how many families they're helping. If you have a million employees, you're probably helping three to four million people directly. Yeah just with opportunity, let alone all the other opportunity and inspiration that they create. Your average person is not helping more than two or three people, mm-hmm. right? So go, to go from someone who helps two to three people to someone who helps three to four million people mm-hmm. and probably even more, you gotta think of it on that scale. So when I see entrepreneurs, I'm happier the more successful they are. Yeah. I'm happier the more money they make. You know why? Because I realize that they solved a bigger problem than most people. And I don't look at that as something that's negative, I look at that as how do we get more people that are willing to solve bigger problems and yeah. get there? Because everyone, in my opinion, has somewhat of an equal advantage. Now, yes, some people start lower on the totem pole with less money, less education, and less connections. Mm-hmm. Some people start with more. But in life, it's not about where you start, it's about where you end up. Mm-hmm. Like if I grew up with nothing and I got to in my career 000, 000, a million dollars, that's a big jump. But if I grew up with a million dollars and I got to a hundred million, that's still a huge jump, Mm -hmm. right? So it's about that distance that you can travel. So I really believe today, like whenever I see someone that you know might talk crap about like, why does Amazon make this much money? Uh, Why does Tesla make this much money? These guys got to give back more to society. I always tell them like, you don't realize how much they're actually giving back. If we didn't have them, we would be screwed. Mm -hmm. Our economy would be screwed. Most people would be out of jobs. The unemployment rate would be through the roof. Because of these people, we have opportunities so be grateful and try to become one of these people that creates more opportunity for others and that solves more problems. And I think that's just the mentality of control and responsibility. It's not expecting someone to give you something. It's saying, whatever I want, if I want it, I gotta take control of it and I have to go and get it. And it's that extreme ownership and it's something at Better Earth I try to get everyone to understand. I talk about it with the management team a lot. I talk about it with a lot of the people in the company is you gotta take responsibility. I don't care if it's not your fault or if you don't think that it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Just take responsibility, take ownership. You're instantly gonna feel more power and more control than if you just blamed someone else or blamed your circumstances. You are literally not helping anyone. You're not changing the world. You're not changing anything. If you are getting, you know, if if you are becoming a victim to your circumstances yeah. or to what's happening to you, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help me. It helps no one. Yeah. All it does is add negative energy into the world. Mm-hmm. The only way to grow is to solve those problems and say, "Listen, I was dealt with these cards. I'm going to handle it." And I think that extreme ownership is like what separates, you know, um, people that want to be successful from people that are successful is the people that are successful a lot of the time didn't wait for anyone to give it to them.
1: They just went out and they got it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That is, that is, I mean, that is absolute gold. And it's so, it's so true. And I think the, like, I feel like the kind of car analogy, like many times people don't realize that they're sitting in the passenger seat and no one's sitting in the driver's seat. And until they like have the self-realization that they just need to move their ass over and like get in there, that's when things can really start to shift. And it's like, Coming from somebody like you, where it's, I mean, especially, I imagine when your mom had her stroke, like that's, it's almost like life's working against you in a sense. And it's so, it's, I feel like so many people would understand somebody taking the side of like, this is unfair. This isn't, this isn't fair to me. But like, as you're talking about money and all these things, it's like you, you had the ability to go into this attack mode. You didn't have a choice to not fall in love with and learn money because. You didn't have the luxury to not look at it that way. Dude, right? in, it's like, in, in 2021,
0: maybe in like 1940, what I'm saying wasn't as true for people that didn't grow up with money. I believe, and, and maybe there's some parts of the world where this isn't as as easy, especially in the United States. If you're in the United States and you complain, like, fuck you. Like, like, like that, that, that's how I feel. If you're in another country and the circumstances are a lot worse, okay, I have a little bit more empathy there for in the United States you have the ability to be successful. I don't mm-hmm. care what anyone says no matter how low you are there is an opportunity. And the reason I say that is I think a lot of people try to blame their circumstances mm-hmm. and they try to blame other people. And honestly, it's unfortunately it's a lot of people that grow up poor is they is they blame other people. But I think in 2021 your biggest advantage is growing up with nothing. Like Mm -hmm. I really believe that because I think it inspires you to go out there and learn more. And it gives you that edge. It gives you that chip on your shoulder and it causes you to be more aggressive and go into that survival mentality. Mm -hmm. And now when I look back growing up, I was like, I wish I had these things. Mm -hmm. Now, when I look back, I love that I didn't grow up with a lot of that stuff because it gave me a lot of the skills that I possess today. And I actually believe I am the one with the lucky advantage. Like, I almost feel like it's flipped. I feel like I had the That's luck crazy, yeah. to grow up there. You know, like, I'm almost, gr- I'm so grateful that I grew up like that. Like, I would be pissed, pissed if my story was written another way and it was like I was handed what I had. Yeah. Right. I'm so happy. And again, don't get me wrong. Like, if you grow up with stuff, like, again, everyone just has to use the circumstances that they're in and be grateful for it. But in 2021, I truly believe, especially if you grew up in the United States, and you don't have much, do not sit back and say that that's a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. That is an advantage and you have a better chance than most people because you have that chip on your shoulder and we have so much access to information. As long as you can get, like let's say you don't even have a computer and internet at home. Walk into a public library in any city in the United Mm -hmm. States. Walk into a public library, you have Wi-Fi. you have internet you can go on a computer and you can search and you can learn information Mm. and you can learn how to become successful and make money and go like wherever you want to go. And that, that is really what I believe is an advantage for a lot of people today. You just have to have that mentality and not have that victim mentality of I didn't
1: have the choice. I didn't have the option. No, everyone has that. Yeah, man. It's like, uh, it's so, it's so fascinating to, you know, I feel like a lot of these themes are things that, we talk about and, and we preach at the company and you know, I've heard you speak about on, on different videos and so on. Um, what, what I kind of want to unpack a little more is like the creating and developing that thought process is, does not happen overnight, does right? Not, like it, yeah. it takes so many waves. And, and um, like one of the things that I think is, I know is most impactful, which, I, which I'd love to hear on is, you know, you're, you're 18, you go to college, you dropped out. You got into you got into solar you got into door to door sales take me through take us through a little bit of that like you know once you're in college you did that for your family kind of you don't want to you don't want to go against what your mom wanted um, walk us through a little bit what at what point did you decide to leave college why did you why did you decide to finally make that jump and kind of your journey down the the, the solar coaster yeah um, so now?
0: yeah so at eighteen I got into college um, and I shortly dropped out after like a year of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I got offered actually while I was in college, I got offered an opportunity to be in the solar industry through, through a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, they shared with me like videos, like it was like Warren Buffett talking about solar and energy, um, and how it was going to be the future. And I always had kind of heard that from other people. I did enough research to know that there was a future wave and it was going to be something there. I didn't know much about it. Um, I don't want to say that I joined for some social reason, some environmental mm-hmm. reason. Um, at the time, honestly, when I first joined, it was purely a play of money and future. And it was like, as long as I can be where the future's going and I can make money, like I want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That was the first reason. Mm-hmm. Like it was- it So was, it got you into it. It's just what got me into it. It was, it was my motivator at the yeah. time because- that was the problem I was trying to solve, right? And as I got into it, I learned more, started caring about the environment more, started caring more about the amount of lives we were helping and the people that we were changing mm-hmm. their lives for. We were saving people money, we were helping the environment, and it was just like a no brainer. But when I got into it, I just saw the future. I saw the 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 ability of uh of of what I could do and the amount of money that I could make, mm-hmm. and so I joined. So I I joined a solar company. Um, it was a small startup at the time. I was there for a very short period of time, and that led me to work at Solar City, uh, which was the sister company to Tesla. At the and, time. and to
1: be clear, like it, it was right out the gate, it was door to door, door to door. Yeah,
0: day one, it was like you're going to go knock doors, you're going to sell. But what was crazy to me was at the time you could make like a thousand bucks by switching someone to solar, and uh, and they didn't have to pay anything out of pocket, and we would cut down their electric bill. Mm. And to me, I was like, wait, so. I don't have to get a check from them. I can cut down their electric bill. They don't have to have money. Like they don't need to pay me. All they need to do is pay a lower electric payment every single month. That was like the basics of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if, if that's the product, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Like so easy. Like it was like a no brainer to me. And I started going door to door and door to door and door to door. And it was like not hard for me to be honest. No. I was like, dude, this is sick. Like I can literally go and I can pick up money at homes by solving their problem, giving them a solution. And that was my first reality in door to door. Um, And I think because I was so young, like I think if I had gone the traditional route, people probably would have told me like door to door is bad and this and that. And maybe my mind set would have been a little different. But I had faced so much adversity at that point that like I was doing something positive Mm -hmm. in my mind. And uh, I had a great way to make money legally. And that was awesome for me. So I got into the industry. Um, I started working at SolarCity, which was the largest residential player at the time. Um, Sister company to Tesla, eventually acquired by Tesla. And I just worked my way up the ranks. There was thousands and thousands of door-to-door salespeople and uh, I became the best. Like I just started focusing on being the best. It was like, how can I work seven days a week? Literally I would, I remember I'd wake up early, I'd be out the door at 8 or 9 a.m. Mm. And I'd come back home 8, 9, 10 p.m. Mm. Every single day, seven days a week. I was just hustling because I was like, this opportunity is eventually going to go away. And uh, I think it was one of the things that my managers did a really good job at early on in solar was one of my first managers. I never forget. He walked in a room and he was like, we're not going to have this for a long time. This mm. is probably going to be for maybe a year or two years. Mm. So make all the right money all. that you can. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, this is going away. This is not forever. Let me work, 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 yeah. work, and like retire in like one to two years. Yeah. So every day I was working because I was like, if I can do this for the next two years, maybe I'll set myself up. And this is like a once in a lifetime, like a like I, it felt like a gold rush. And that just showed like, I was ignorant to the industry, ignorant mm-hmm. to the product. I was just like ready to sell, mm-hmm. but the amount of sales ability i learned, communication skills i learned, meeting people, talking to people, learning about their backgrounds, learning about their heritage, learning about their family story, mm-hmm. learning about their, you know, their uh, culture and where they're from, learning about how to handle s- their situations, learning how to communicate with them, learning how to help them solve their own problems, mm-hmm. navigating them through making a decision, you learn so much about being a human being, mm-hmm. you learn the fundamentals of communication that it makes your life so much easier when dealing with problems mm-hmm. because you're just going literally door to door, solving every every yeah. door is a new problem that you're solving. And you feel like, like I, I never forget, I'd finish like my day at door to door. I'd usually go to like Chipotle or something like that to mm-hmm. get like food. Usually my first food of the day was like after knocking for a full day. Mm-hmm. I never forget, I'd walk into Chipotle. I remember looking around all these people I'd be like, I feel like I'm on a different level. I feel like I'm greater than everyone. I feel like I'm better than everyone. And the reason I say that is because I felt like my communication and my energy was a lot higher because Mm. I just went through a full day of just like handling problems, solving problems, handling objections. And I had this confidence was like through the roof. Mm. And that's when I realized I love solving problems. It Mm. gives me more confidence. It gives me more energy. It gives me more, more fulfillment. And it keeps me busy, which keeps me motivated yeah yeah and i just stayed hungry so i kind of like slowly rose my way to the top of that company
1: got a lot of opportunity but that even in that door to like uh the door to door world is you know and we've seen it for you've seen it far longer than i have but it's so there's so many people that try and so many people that last a month three months six months a year um and i think it's because like they get so in their head right you're you're you you go you go out there and you can be out there for 10 hours and you might not make a paycheck that day. You might get just no after no after no. And it's so easy to use that as like, this is too hard. This is too much of an obstacle. This is too difficult. So what do you think at that point, like it was already just so ingrained in your head that like you longed for the difficulty, you longed for the challenge. And so it wasn't that difficult. Or you yeah, you think I faced... That?
0: I mean everyone has it. Yeah. I faced so much adversity up until that point that I think it was definitely a lot easier for me to handle probably than some people, but there were still a lot of challenges and problems. But what did I do my entire life? I think the skill set I learned my entire life when I had problems was constant positive self-talk. Mm-hmm. Like always just talking to myself positively and motivating myself. And I think that self-motivation is what we, what made me so good at it. Mm-hmm. Was I was really good at motivating myself. And I think if there's one skill set any young person can learn, any person can learn, or any entrepreneur is try your best to learn how to get motivated yourself. Try your best to not get motivated by other people and other things. Try to get motivated yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can wake up and motivate yourself, you have a superpower because that's what's gonna get you out of the bed. That's what's gonna get you ultra focused. Mm -hmm. That's what's gonna get you ultra successful is being able to motivate yourself because... You cannot rely on other people. The more you rely on other people, it goes back to that idea of control I was talking about. You're in less control. If you can motivate yourself, you're in control. So going back to Solar SolarCity, um, I built a team. I started bringing people into the industry because I knew it was such a good product and I had so much success. Started making high six figures there. So I started making a lot of money that I was not used to making. And then I got recruited um, it was basically an installer. He said, "Listen, I just got I just got out of my company. I sold my shares in my company. I'm starting a new company. What you've done at SolarCity is phenomenal. I'd love to partner with you." Mm. And uh, at the time, even though it might have seemed like a good decision to go partner with him, I was definitely taking a risk mm. because it was not common to go and start a solar company. I had never built a real business before. I never hired real people before. And I was literally going to go from a good setup, people on my team, a good company, a good structure, to starting from scratch. Mm. But I just believed in myself. Mm. I believed enough in myself to do it. And the idea was to move across the country. I lived in Boston at the time. The idea was to move to California, a place I had never been, and go and start something from scratch. And it was one of the scariest things I ever did. But I knew I had to do it for my personal growth Mm. because it was going to make me extremely uncomfortable. Mm. And there was a common trend I always followed in my life. Whenever I went to the place that made me felt the most uncomfortable was when I grew the most. So I knew I had to go and I had to get extremely uncomfortable. Moved across country where I knew no one. I just brought along a few friends that were gonna help start Mm. the company with me. And we launched the first company. Mm. Um, Ended up growing that for a few years. That's where I met Sean here. That's where I met you and uh, learned so much about the finance of the company, the operations of the company, how solar installation worked, how the technology side worked, um, how the customer side worked, uh, how the sales side worked, kind of building your own company, managing teams, running teams. And I learned so much about that organization and how solar worked. And finally, a few years in, I felt like I got all of the pieces to build, in my opinion, what was gonna be the largest solar company in the world. Like That's truly how I felt. And I was like, I have control of this. I know how to do this. And at the time, me and my business partners didn't necessarily agree on the same philosophy and the way of doing things. And the mindset was just different. And I felt I had to only work with people that had that mindset I had. And I didn't feel like I was changing it for them. So I ended up basically talking to them, kind of getting out of that. And saying I'm gonna go build something nationally on my own, and I'm gonna only partner and work with the right people—people people that I feel like have the same mentality. So that's where I met you. Yeah. That's where I met a, f- a few of our other partners. And I was like, "We gotta—we have a mission. Let's do this together."
1: And I know we can. And and it's—I think what's interesting—the you know, you 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 got into door to door, start doing something that was you know by then this was your second or third thing non-traditional route you'd say. Um, found success there, right? Found success from a financial standpoint that like, what did your, I guess, what did your parents think at this point when, you know, when you started making, making this money at the age that they'd never, they'd never seen, like, were they at this point, like, this is why we brought, this is why we brought, they didn't you know, came to the States here? Yeah. I would
0: never say that they like fully understood it, Mm -hmm. Um, like it never fully made sense to them. They never fully grasped it. They just knew that I could take care of myself, solve problems, even give them money. Mm -hmm. And that's when they were like, they kind of went from being super on the offensive of telling me to go back to school Mm -hmm. and do school. And they switched their mentality as I started making more money to just like, okay, we accept he's not Mm -hmm. going to school. We're just gonna kind of watch and like kind of see what happens. And when I started getting really, really successful, they started to realize and become more grateful for it and very happy. Um, but never really, I think clicked for them fully because they like to them still until today, this journey of entrepreneurship is not a very real thing. They still don't know how it works. They don't (laughs) understand it. Like they're so used to the traditional route Mm -hmm. and that's the only route that they really knew, but they're very happy and obviously grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but fast forward to today, um, you know, we, we launched better earth and the mission was basically how do we build something that helps the people that work there um, helps us as a company, helps us grow, helps the environment, it helps our customers. And, and that- at what
1: point, so like at what point did you? Because when you first got into solar, it was the motivation for getting in is has been different than the motivation yeah. for like you know moving the yeah. next to next stages. So what like I guess how was that dynamic? At what point did you kind of realize, hey, I'm I'm getting some level of success, but I want to challenge myself more and I want to get deeper into this. Was it just did you align with what the? Well, I just felt like. In the industry,
0: as I was a sales rep and then a manager, et cetera, et cetera, I started seeing that a lot of people weren't doing things the right way. I started seeing that people could do things better. And just as a salesperson working with customers every day, I realized like this experience could be better and there's so much opportunity. We're not even like 1% of the way there. I always mm. still say this and it's I've believed it since the beginning. Like I was like, oh my God, we're not even close to there. There's so many more homes and people that need to go solar and this can be done at a faster rate in a better way. And if I'm not gonna do it, I don't know how, who's gonna do it. I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone's ever gonna be able to solve it. So why don't I go and solve it? And it just became a bigger and a bigger and a bigger problem for me to solve. And that's where I was like, we can make this a better deal for customers. We can make this a better deal for the people working within our company. And we can make this a better deal for the environment. We can make this a better deal for ourselves. And I just looked at everything and I said, we gotta do it. So when we started Better Earth, it was like, let's literally make it, hence the name Better Earth. It's like, let's make something that is going to be better in all areas um, from a commission standpoint for salespeople, from an employee experience standpoint, from a customer experience standpoint. How can we make this better for everyone and make this sustainable and make it long term? Mm. And that was the idea with Better Earth. And since then, you know, obviously, you being a part of the growth, like mm. we've been able to grow so fast. Pa- Uh, grow so fast we've been able to do so much we've been able to learn so many things but we've been able to handle so many challenges but we've been able to do it in a pretty uh, short period of time we've been able to do it rapidly and i'm very confident to say what we are building is the best company in the industry there is no one else in my opinion that is doing it the way we are doing it now that can sound a little biased. um you know any business owner might want to say that about their company of course But I truly believe that and no one is going to ever sway me off of that. Mm -hmm. Now, one tip I have for people is you hear that in my voice and I practice that every day. I really believe no one is going to do it better than us. If you want to be successful in anything you do, you have to have that blind confidence, Mm -hmm. that blind loyalty to your Mm -hmm. mission and what you believe. You cannot go into something saying, I think people are better than me. I think that there's other companies better than me. As an athlete, you can't say that, oh, yeah, like I'm I'm an all right athlete. Like, yeah. no. If you look at the best athletes in the world, what do they all have in common? Before they were successful and before they were who they were, they thought that they were the best. Yeah. And they told everyone that. And that's what you have to do. You have to go in there with this like blind, almost stupid, ignorant mentality of yeah. no one is better than you. And you have to believe that. And the difference I see between sales reps, because um, I had this as a sales rep too, by the way. Like when I worked at Solar City, I believed that no one was better than Solar City.
1: <laughs> yeah, as a
0: sales rep in a company with thousands and thousands and thousands of employees at the time, twenty thousand plus employees at the time, I'm one of twenty thousand, and I truly believed that there was no one better mm-hmm. than me at the company, and then no one better than our company in the industry. And some
1: people would just say, like, you're you're full of yourself. Like, like, how wh- how can you sit there and 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 think that like that's just yeah, you're you're kind of like self self absorbed with that, but as you're saying, it's like that 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 relentless. Well, it's belief. contagious,
0: and it's like it goes back to what I was telling you about door to door. It's like one th- one way that I always solved problems was self talk and believing mm-hmm. in myself and having that confidence. And I knew that there was no room in my mind for negativity or negative energy. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I think I learned through all of my self development was negative energy and negative thoughts and negative thinking is a lot more powerful than positive mm-hmm. thinking. Mm-hmm. So it is dangerous and you cannot let it in. The mm. minute it comes in, you got to get it out and your your positive thoughts and your optimistic thoughts have to far outweigh your negative thoughts. Mm. I think the formula for me was like, Uh, one to three, like every one negative thought is worth like three positive Mm. thoughts. So you have to have three or four positive thoughts for every negative thought you have. So that's why you have to have that. And I think whenever I see anyone who isn't doing well or isn't performing, it's their missing confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people gotta work on is that self-confidence and really believing in yourself and what you're doing. And that is self-taught, that is self-built. If you go into something not believing that you're the best, you already failed. Yeah. Anyone that's been great at anything in their life, they always went in with that like, it's almost that naive mentality of I'm the best and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna make it happen. I mean, this
1: kind of gets into like two of, I think, my personal favorite concepts and and things that, you know, I feel we've talked about a lot, but, but have tried to drive through, through the company and something you hold, but like this theme of belief, you know, belief, it's one of our core values at Better Earth. And it's so crazy when you look at, you know, you look at the greatest athletes of all time, Michael Jordan, and the, the way that they talk about, you know, even MJ on his, on their doc, on his documentary on Netflix, like you watch that. I remember watching that and I was like, man, this guy, how much belief he has in himself still to this day is like mind blowing. So I'd kind of ask you like how, I guess, what, what what does that sort of mean to you today? And, and what type of, because one thing is like understanding it, but it's another implementing it, right? And so you can self-talk and self-talk, but like What would you kind of give people on ways to truly build that belief? Like, how can they build that more and more? And what's truly that importance of leading with it? Action, man. Action. It all stems
0: down to one thing, and that's action. (laughs) The more action you take, the more belief and confidence you have. For example, if you're starting in door-to-door, you can't just build that confidence day one. You can try. A lot of people actually probably start with it but they lose it very quickly. And that's because they're not consistently working on it. Mm. What I recommend is if you get into something like door to door, for the first like 90 or 120 days, work every single day. Mm. Because the amount of action you're gonna take is far is gonna far outweigh any negative thoughts you have or anything you have and if for a consistent period of time you take that level of action it's going to build momentum for you and when you have momentum you have more confidence mm-hmm. so now after you've done that for 90 or 120 days straight you've done every single day there's a good chance you really believe in yourself and you're confident and you've gotten pretty good mm-hmm. as long as you truly do it like to the best of your ability from morning to night every single day you will start to feel like, wow, I'm improving. I'm getting better. Every day I've gotten better. Every week I've gotten better. Even though maybe I'm not where I wanna be, I've gotten better. And wow, if I just keep doing this, there's gonna be no one that's better than me. I'm gonna be unstoppable. And you start to feel that. But I think a lot of people have that consistency problem. So I recommend whenever you get into anything, whether you're starting a new department in, in, in your company, whether you're starting a new job, you're just getting into sales, whether you're just getting into school, you're just getting into a sport, whatever it may be, at the beginning especially, I think always, but at the beginning especially, you gotta be extra committed. You gotta go all in and you cannot, like like you gotta burn everything around you for a little bit. Like Mm. it's the way I look at it. You gotta get rid of every distraction. You gotta get all of your negative friends out. You gotta get all of your negative thoughts out. You gotta get, anything that stops you from your purpose and your mission Mm -hmm. and you just got to focus on one thing and go all in on that one thing and when you can go all in on that one thing you start to realize like wow i have more potential and i'm more powerful than i thought i'm a lot more powerful than i thought i can do a lot more than i thought i thought i could get x amount done in a day i can get like 10x that done in a day if i just apply myself Mm -hmm. and when you apply yourself for such a long period of time consistently over and over and over again, it just becomes a habit. And that consistency is there. And that action is what leads to more confidence. Mm -hmm. And that's where you become confident. And Mm -hmm. it's, you're not confident because you're stupid. You're confident because you know, you're working every single day and you're doing your best. And because you're doing that, you know, like, damn, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So that's why I'm better. I'm not better because I'm smarter. I have some special gift. I'm better because I'm just doing it every single day and I'm not giving
1: up and I'm not stopping. And that's what gives you that confidence. Yeah, and that, that like aggressive almost, um, I think you, what you bring to it is like this this urgency around action, right? It's like, it's, it's something that opened my eyes when we started to work closer together. I was like, man, you know, by the way, my brain typically works is I'm, 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 I'm thoughtful and then I'll like attack and go. And in many situations, you just have this insane amount of just movement and it's like action no matter what. And there's so much urgency around it, which it like breeds it's almost inevitable that belief and confidence are gonna follow because of that urgency and that focus on action. And I think it, everyone in the organization feels it, but anyone that knows you has seen that, like that type of urgency, but it's it, the way that you operate with that, like that part of it might come naturally, but it must've taken so Yeah, it wasn't always to- like
0: that, but it was like, I think I learned something um, in business, which like rapidly changed my life. And it was like a, a little bit of a philosophy change A lot of times you could go around and you could ask people one question. You say, listen, no context, I'm just gonna ask you one thing. Quality versus quantity, what's more important? Most people will say quality. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Quality is more important than quantity. Quality is more important than quantity. I do not believe in that. Now, don't take what I say the wrong way. That doesn't mean I don't want quality. It doesn't mean that I don't want to create a quality product. What it means is so many people focus on quality that they never ever get anything out. They're perfectionist. The way we are as humans, we wanna keep building and building and building something, but we never share it with the world. So therefore you have like, no one can really see your final product because you were so focused on quality, but quantity is what distributed that product. And when I say product, it's not just like a product, like, a, like, like, like something you can sell, a product is yourself. Mm. For example, on you know if you're selling solar, You're not gonna get better by like sitting at home, practicing the perfect pitch all day, unless you get out there and actually use it and implement it. What's gonna make you better is over and over and over again, doing something, that's what's gonna make the best quality. So what I always tell people is, instead of trying to make like, let's say I was making this little glass right or this cup right here, I could focus all day on making the best cup in the world. Mm -hmm. But if no one ever used it, it wouldn't matter. I would be much better off starting getting a product out to the marketplace, getting feedback and improving upon my product, I probably have a faster time to the destination than the person that's just focused on making Mm -hmm. the perfect product without getting any feedback or sending anything out. I'm gonna learn a lot more by doing. So the reason I always go with quantity before quality is because you need quantity in order to create quality. Mm -hmm. There is no way to create quality without quantity. Imagine trying to make the perfect solar install for our customer without having customers. It'd be impossible because we wouldn't know where the problems would be. We wouldn't know how to create the best experience. The only way we know how to create the best experience and the best customer service is by doing it over and over and over again and every single time just trying to be better and just trying to improve. That's why I believe in that quantity. So when you believe in that quantity, your mentality becomes, listen, if I can just get my people to take action I'm gonna be a lot farther. Mm. I'm gonna be more levels and more steps ahead if my people can just take action. Because I know the biggest problem in any organization, any company with any person is they just don't execute. Mm. And if I can get them to execute first, I know that that, that they're gonna create a quality product and do a quality job. But I know more likely than not, if they're just focusing on quality, they'll never execute. Mm. So I gotta get them to execute quicker because that's gonna give them confidence to create a better product. And because I know that that's the way life works and that's how it's worked for me, I'm always pushing people to get something out, not because they're gonna do it right the first time, but because I know if they take action, I'm gonna help build up their confidence Mm -hmm. and they're gonna do it over and over and over again, therefore leading to them being more successful and actually getting something out there. Most of the times if a company fails, it's not because they went out there and they tried really hard. A lot of the times it's because they didn't try hard enough and they didn't take as much action. As long as you take enough action, action and you execute, you're most likely gonna be successful at some point. Mm-hmm. Might not be the first time, the hundred time, or the thousand time, but at some point, if you keep going, you're gonna make the shot and you're gonna end up figuring it out. Yeah. The reason most people fail and almost anyone fails in any business is because they quit mm-hmm. and they stopped. Even if it's a business that lost its money, Like this is a crazy thing that I've always thought of. Let's say a company goes bankrupt. They lost their money, they're in debt. Okay, technically you can take that business and make it bankrupt. Does not mean you can't start over and do it again and do it again the right Mm -hmm. time. The only reason you're deeming that a failure is because you stopped, you quit and you moved on. Mm -hmm. You didn't stay with your thing and you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're not willing to quit, I truly believe you will end up figuring it out and become successful. Mm -hmm. You just gotta go in with the mentality of no matter what happens, I'm not quitting. And that will take a lot of pressure off you because you're going to understand like, damn, as long as I don't quit, this is in my control. I'm going to figure it out eventually. Mm -hmm. Whether I figure it out today, tomorrow, next year, or in 10 years, I'm eventually going to figure it out as long as I'm committed. And that's why that commitment has to come first. And then it's got to be followed by
1: action and execution. Mm -hmm. And that that focus of, like I I think what you said is so, so right with, with failure, right? Failure doesn't even really happen until you quit right it's like like the second that you stop looking at obstacles as opportunities to grow is when you start to fail right but yeah. every single time like bank company goes bankrupt whatever it might be it's like back you're in the driver's seat it's like what no matter how big this challenge or hurdle might seem it's on you to make that a strength to turn that into something that can catapult you forward and kind of on, on your like quantity versus quality because I feel like it's again, people kind of take that, like misinterpret it and be like, oh, so what? Like quality doesn't matter, especially if we're running a solar company and, and we're installing, you know, we have employees and we're installing and it's like, so what? You don't care if there's issues or, or leaks or, you know, disgruntled employees or anything like this. Like how, how would you kind of, how would you to play the counter side of it, right? There's gotta be a fine balance. Of- yeah, I always tell people, who do I wanna buy a car from?
0: The guy that sold a thousand cars or the guy that sold five cars? I wanna buy it from the guy that sold a 1,000 cars, why? Because he's probably gonna give me a better option because he's done it more longer and he's, mm-hmm. and he's done it more and more and more times. Same thing with solar or anything. There is no way, like, would you rather install with a company that's done a 1,000 successful installs or would you rather go with a company that's done five? Mm-hmm. Probably the one with a 1,000, right? Because they have more of a proven track record. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying is the only way to have a proven track record and create a quality product is to do it. There is no other way. You cannot sit in a room and hope that a quality product will magically appear. You will only make the quality product through massive amounts of time and action. If you take action and you put in the time, over time it will become the best product. It will not happen overnight. I never met someone that made the perfect product just sitting in their home. Mm -hmm. Users have to use it. People have to use it in order to create that product. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes than not, people always start with quality and because they start with quality, they never get to quantity. Mm And they never get anywhere mm-hmm. because they didn't have enough people test their product to make the perfect product mm-hmm. like you and i could go out there we could start a company we could create a new product and we could say we have the best product in the world before we even got it out to anyone but if we didn't get it out to anyone it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. it, like a lot of times in business that this actually happens with a lot of people is they make this like bulletproof in their mind business plan before they launch the business mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever have I met an entrepreneur that says they followed the business plan Mm -hmm. that they started with and it didn't change. It's always gonna change. It's always gonna change because the only way you learn is experience in the marketplace. Just like playing basketball. Who is more likely to be the better basketball player? The one that never played a game but spent their entire time practicing? Or the one that maybe did a little less practicing but played a lot more games? Most likely the person that played a lot more games. Why are they more likely to be better at basketball? because they actually did it so they're going to have the experience. They're going to know what it's like to have someone guarding them. They mm-hmm. weren't just shooting free throws all day. Mm-hmm. You can be the best shooter in the league, right? But if no one's ever blocked you when you took that shot, you're probably not going to be good
1: in a real game. Yeah. You yeah. got to, you got to play the game. Yeah. You know, the again kind of this theme, the theme of this show like like converting converting challenges to opportunities. Um I want to kind of bring it like like real life, tangible examples. Because I think one of the things with, um, again, with 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 success or people that people that you admire, you want to figure out. Like you hear some of these themes, and this is something that I always thought of when I would listen to podcasts, do personal development. Like I would hear, I would hear all these same things, right? And I would think about it, and I'd be reinforced on what I should be thinking about. But then it'd be like, how do I implement this, right? And something that I want to communicate to everybody is. You know, we've been we've been at this for since Better Earth Start, about two and a half years. We are installing about what a hundred million dollars worth a year in, in solar right now, um, growing on a weekly, monthly basis. Um, but the only way we got here in two and a half years is we had we went through shit. Like we went through some shit. And people that have been at the company have seen it and and have witnessed it. But I kind of want to unpack it a little bit. Like if you had to think of you know, specifically within Better Earth, what what was maybe the most challenging, what was the most challenging time that you can think of? And I'm sure it's the same as mine, but one of the most challenging times that you can think of at Better Earth. And in that, what what went through your head at that point and how do you think we prevailed through it?
0: Yeah, I think our biggest challenge was not when we started. When we started, we already had done a little bit of it before. We all had experience, especially on the sales side. So we started as a sales and marketing company specifically, and we had a lot of experience there. So mm-hmm. it wasn't—it didn't feel like we were starting something that new, right? Where it got challenging is when we started something new. And that was when we got into the install business. Um, we acquired a company, we officially decided to dive full into the install business. And that was something I had a little bit of experience with, but not too much experience with, and especially building a full-scale, fully vertically integrated installer, like where we're actually installing the panels from soup to nuts. We're doing the entire thing. None of us had ever really fully done it, unlike sales. With sales, you know, I had knocked doors, sold solar. You had done the same thing. So building the company was a lot easier because we had actually done what other people were doing and what we were building the company based on. When it came to installing, I never got on a roof. You never got on a roof. We never installed solar. We never did that. So we were building something that we had never done before. And that was super hard. So I'd say the most challenging time was getting into that, moving all of this, like millions and millions and millions of dollars of sales volume into our own court, where we were going from other people doing our fulfillment to us fully doing our fulfillment and having to learn it while we were building it, I think Mm -hmm. was the hardest thing. It wasn't like we got to build it and then use it after we built it. No, it was like... We were growing, and at the same time, we were building it. It's like sales growth was happening, and building was almost like behind it. It wasn't ahead of it; mm-hmm. it was behind it. You want to try to be ahead of it? We were behind it. So sales was ahead of where our operational growth was, and we had to catch up. And that was the most stressful time. Um, that was the time with the most problems, sleepless nights, just trying to figure out how you got to do all that yeah. while managing cash flow, making sure that you know we're still a healthy, profitable. Business. I mean, we had,
1: we had customers pissed off, salespeople pissed off, we lost people, we like. Like it wasn't it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Um,
0: And that's where the belief in yourself and having failed before really helps because, you know, right now it might suck, but you're still the best because eventually you're going to figure it out through trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. And that's how I knew it's like we have to keep failing in order to become better. Mm -hmm. We have to go through these tough times, these tough phone calls, people leaving customers mad in order to get to the good times. Mm -hmm. There's no way to build the perfect product without just
1: doing it. That's so like, I think the biggest, the biggest message from, um, that I've learned, I think from what you're saying, like that I, I hope everybody can grasp is to grow, to improve. You have to, you have to experience pain, yeah. like, and quantity over quality, you're going to guarantee yourself pain to get to quality. Yeah. Um, the type of action you take, like the type of growth that we go through, it's focusing too much on the performance. Perfect quality product or the perfect idealistic execution. You're like trying to avoid pain, but It's inevitable. You got to face that shit head-on and I think that's something it's, I, that always blows my mind Anytime we run into issues or challenges first thing you always say is we have two options here We're gonna focus on the problem. We're gonna focus on the solution. Let's understand the problem But let's focus on the solution and it's like like it's automatic with you at this point and I guess is that what do you do? like on a daily daily basis even now to reinforce that, like where it's automatic, where you don't even really like, think about it anymore.
0: Well, I just think I'm always trying to solve problems in my, in my life and my business and everything we do. And I'm trying to make it so that um, I'm like, like, I think one of the places I always catch myself is if I ever feel like I have free time, or I feel like I'm too available and I'm not busy enough, Mm. it must mean that I'm not solving problems quickly enough or I don't have them in front of my plate. Mm. So ever, it's funny, like, whenever I feel like I don't have enough problems, I feel bad and I feel like I have to dive in and find out where the problems are because in any business, it will never be perfect. There will always be tons of problems. It's, are you searching for them? And are you proactive and are you getting ahead of them? And what I'm trying to do now in the place we're at, it's not just handling problems that are, active and burning fires, but you become a really good entrepreneur. Um, when you start to focus on the problems that haven't happened yet, mm. and you're starting, you're, you're, you're preparing for the future and solving problems before they even happen. So as an entrepreneur, mm. if you say my business is perfect, and I have no problems to solve, you're just saying you haven't looked out far enough, and you haven't predicted the future. Yeah, but you can predict the future as an entrepreneur by handling things. So for me now, it's like this pure obsession, of every day just making our product the best and making it better and better and better and better. And there's always room for improvement. And I'm almost obsessed with it. I'm like, how do we create something that no one's done done before? How do we create something that people are blown away by? And we're still very far from that, but we gotta keep doing it every single day in order to get to that point. Mm. And it's very, very, very hard, but you gotta do it every single day. And that obsession is just fun for me. It's like, could I maybe one day choose to retire, go off and travel the world? Sure. But I've yet to find anything in my life that makes me happier than solving these problems and doing this thing. Mm. And that's why I don't see myself ever quitting or retiring because Mm. it's just so fun for me. It's like I can't imagine a life where I wasn't solving or handling these problems. Mm. Yeah, it's stressful sometimes and you go through stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm much more happier being on my purpose. And I feel like I'm more alive when I'm on my purpose than when I'm not. And that's like one thing that I think sometimes I was talking about it earlier today, but it's freedom. Mm. I think sometimes people confuse freedom. Sometimes people think that freedom is just having free time Mm. and traveling the world and relaxing. All of that stuff's good. And don't get me wrong. When you work super hard, you want to have something you're looking forward to and you want to enjoy yourself and reward yourself sometimes. But I promise you, you will feel more alive and you will feel younger if you just keep growing and solving more problems and being on purpose. Mm. That's why I think no matter what you are, whether it's building a company, whether it's working at a company, whether it's being involved in charity, whether it's donating, whatever it may be, you gotta have a big enough purpose that consumes most of your time, Mm. or eventually you will get bored, depressed, and resort to the bad things. And I think a lot of the times in society, why people resort to drugs or crime or stealing or Mm. just hanging around the wrong people, uh, doing the wrong things, is not because they're bad people, but most of the time, I think like 99% of the time, it's because they're bored Mm. or they don't have a purpose. And if you feel that way, go out there and find your purpose. Mm. And when you find your purpose, you're gonna find that every single day you're lit up, like you're excited, as hard as it may be, every single day you're lit up. And the only reason, you know, this is gonna sound like a super big and bold statement, but I truly believe a lot of times the reason people are depressed and they have issues and they have problems, there might be some medical stuff there, but I think a lot of the times when I see it with people, I can always correlate it to the amount of free and available time that they have to think. Mm -hmm. I think when you don't have time to just think about yourself and you're so focused on a problem and solving something, it takes your mind off of negative things that might be going on in your life totally. and puts it on the right things yeah. and it allows you to grow. And I truly believe if you're like a young kid out there or you're a person out there who's not maybe feeling fully motivated or you're mm-hmm. feeling a little depressed, you're feeling a little down on yourself, like try to get busier. Try to find a bigger purpose. Try to work harder and see if that works for you. Yeah, and There's a very good chance, in my opinion, that it will work for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, I love that. All right, I got I got a couple more for you. One in in the theme of Problems. Um, let's bring it to today here now. Um, what what's what are some of the biggest biggest challenges you're you're facing personally in in any of your businesses right now? Better Earth, whatever it might be. What are what are some of those what are some of those biggest challenges you're you're facing and you're going through right now?
0: Yeah, it's just scaling and growing. Um, I'd say the biggest thing right now is getting everyone involved and getting everyone's mindset right. Mm-hmm. Like right now, the problem I'm trying to continuously solve and conquer is getting everyone to have that urgency that we have, yeah. um, getting everyone to continuously understand the vision, understand the mission, getting people sold on what we're doing. Because sometimes people can get comfortable and people can feel like just by doing enough, they're doing enough. Mm-hmm. But in my world, that, that, that doesn't exist. You're never doing enough. You can mm-hmm. always do better and you can always do more. And it's getting people to understand why we're pushing and why we're trying to get to the best place possible. And it's getting people to understand why sometimes in business, you have to do things that are unordinary and unnecessary to be a great company. Mm. It's never gonna be something that you have to do. It's always gonna be something that to other people might seem unnecessary or unordinary, Um, but it's what makes you and your company special. So Mm -hmm. I'd say one of the biggest hurdles we're dealing with now as we scale is as we get more people is getting everyone to understand that mission and continue to maintain that level of excellence and quality as we grow, because it can get diluted. Like if someone's not personally reporting to me or I'm not managing them or you're not managing them or one of the executives isn't managing them, you know, as you go down the layers, that message and that vision can kind of get diluted and someone maybe at an entry level might not feel that and maybe doesn't give our customer the same experience. So it's trying to grow a company on scale that's adding hundreds and hundreds of employees, but making sure that everyone still believes and understands the core mission and can give that high level of service to our customers and to our employees and just kind of everyone involved. And I think the more and the more that we can push our vision, push our mission, spread it out to people, help people understand why we do this, motivate people, grow people, educate the people within our company, uh, the more we're going to solve that problem. But right now it's something I'm actively trying to work on on a daily basis is spread out this positivity and spread out this urgency to everyone in the company that we got to be better, we got to do better, we got to service our customers better, and we got to maintain this level of urgency because as easy as it is to pat ourselves on the back and be comfortable, there's a lot more work we have to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I love that you said that. It's. I think from the beginning it's something we talked about of the bigger we get, the more people we get, I, I always think of like a like a snowball right if you're if you start with a certain amount of snow and you're rolling down a hill the more that snow kind of spreads out and everything becomes its own mini snowballs like it just stops it's no longer a snowball but the more snow is just compiling on it get big, gets bigger and bigger you get more momentum and you're going in the same direction and it's like we thought you know at 20 people it was maybe a little more a little easier to keep everybody focused on the same thing but now at you know 150 employees plus and and hundreds of of salespeople that are representing our brand, it's more and more difficult with the, with the more people. And I think um, there's no really secret sauce that I've seen apart from kind of the daily focus, the daily urgency, the daily action that you kind of push and drive. And it's, I mean, it has a ripple effect through the entire entire organization. Um, so yeah, man, I, I absolutely love that. Um, all right, my last question for you. <clears> there's <throat> something I was thinking about actually when we were, um, you know, I was brainstorming about this show with, uh, with with Michaela, my girlfriend, and we were like talking about it and we were on a trip in Hawaii and I was like trying to think of, you know, what's, what's this like one question that I can ask people at the end. And the question that came to my mind is there's so many lessons out there, right? Like so many gurus, quote unquote, so much information that people can access. And it's like you're getting hit from so many different angles. So many people want to share advice and want to give insight. And I think sometimes what kind of causes people to not take action is they're trying to consume all these different lessons. So somebody that, you know, you have all these different thought processes and themes and principles that you stick with. If you had to think, you know, you don't have kids now, but what's the, what's the first most important lesson? Like as a human being, as a, wh- however you want your child to grow up to be, what would you say is the first most important lesson that you will want to teach your, your future kids?
0: Yeah, I will want to teach them to never give up. Um, mm. it's, it's the first thing I try to teach everyone is don't give up, don't give up, don't give up and keep going mm. because the only way you will fail is if you give up. Um, and how you will teach, you know, your kids that and my kids that, et cetera, is put them through things where they're going to face failure, mm. put them through obstacles, put them through challenges and watch them fail. And at that point, lift them up and motivate them and tell them to keep going and not mm. give up. And I think if I can do a successful job when I have kids of raising them to understand, that as long as you don't give up and as long as you keep going, you'll get there, they will be very successful mm. in life and whatever they want to do. Love that.
1: Simple, one of the most basic principles we're taught when we're, we're kids, but it's. But like- you have
0: to do it. But unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of people today, I think, in society allow their kids to accept failure or mm. to give up. You know, people get a pat on the back for failing, people mm-hmm. get a pat on the back for things not going the right way. When the message shouldn't be you know, something negative, but the message should be, listen, I get it. You got second place this time, but go for first place next time and don't yeah. give up. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't just say, no, it's okay. It's okay to be that. Or it's mm-hmm. okay to just fall back and get second, third, fourth, or fifth. I don't think that's healthy. I think people need to always be focused on never giving up. It's okay to fail. People need to understand that. But it doesn't mean that you give up or you stop. You keep going until
1: you can win. Love it, man. Um, well, I am and eternally grateful for your, you know, the relationship that we have, your, your mentorship. I mean, man, I've been listening and following your guidance for years now. And um, I know it's something that we're going to be continuing to build the most badass company, most impactful company in the world, definitely in solar. Um, so I really, really appreciate you being my first guest here. I'm stoked for everybody to be able to listen, here, hear what they, you know, see what they want to take Really soak in. Uh, where can where can people find you? Where can people uh, listen to your content? Instagram
0: at Zane Jan official on YouTube, just saying Jan online. You can usually if you just Google my name, you'll be able to find that stuff. Uh, but if you're listening, we are building something crazy and amazing at Better Earth. Make sure to reach out to us. You can email Sean at Better Earth <laughs> or Zane at Better Earth.solar or Support at Better Earth <laughs> One of the channels yeah. and get to us if you're serious about working with us because uh, we're bu- building something crazy and we need more amazing people. Awesome.
1: Awesome, man. Well, um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Reminder, like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you liked hearing about, what you want to hear more about. Um, We'd love to hear all of your insight. And seriously, thank you so much for listening. Um, We will see you next time. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.